Hello, and welcome to Falling Asleep to Software Articles. Today's article is Getting to Know HTML by Shay Howe. It is time to dig a little deeper into HTML and examine the different components that make up this language. In order to start building websites, we need to learn a little about which HTML elements are best used to display different types of content. It is also important to understand how elements are visually displayed on a web page as well as what different elements mean semantically. Using the proper element for the job goes a long way and will want to be well informed as you make decisions in the process. So what exactly are semantics? Semantics within HTML is the practice of giving content on the page meaning and structure by using the proper element. Semantic code describes the value of content on a page, regardless of the style or appearance of that content. There are several benefits to using semantic elements, including enabling computers, screen readers, search engines, and other devices to adequately read and understand the content on a web page. Additionally, semantic HTML is easier to manage and work with, as it shows clearly what each piece of content is about. Moving forward, as new elements are introduced, we'll talk about what those elements actually mean and the type of content they best represent. Before we do that though, let's take a look at two elements, div and span, that don't actually hold any semantic value. They exist for styling purposes only. Divisions or divs and spans are HTML elements that act as containers solely for the purpose of styling. As generic containers, they do not come with any overarching meaning or semantic value. Paragraphs are semantic in that content wrapped within a P element is known and understood as a paragraph. Divs and spans do not hold any such meaning and are simply containers. Both divs and spans, however, are extremely valuable when building a website. They give us the ability to apply targeted styles to a contained set of content. Briefly, let us discuss block versus inline elements. Most elements are either 
block or inline level elements. What's the difference? Block level elements begin on a new line, stacking one on top of the other and occupy any available width. Block level elements may be listed inside one another and may wrap inline level elements. We'll most commonly see block level elements used for larger pieces of content, such as paragraphs. Inline elements do not begin on a new line. They fall into the normal flow of a document, lining up one after the other, the and only maintain the width of their content. Inline level elements may be nested inside one another. However, they cannot wrap block level elements. We'll usually see inline level elements with smaller pieces of content, such as a few words. A div is a block level element that is commonly used to identify large groupings of content and which helps to build a web page's layout and design. A span, on the other hand, is an inline level element commonly used to identify small groupings of text within a block level element. We'll commonly see divs and spans with class or ID attributes for styling purposes. Choosing a class or ID attribute value or name requires a bit of care. We want to choose a value that refers to the content of an element, not necessarily the appearance of an element. For example, if we had a div with an orange background that contains social media links, our first thought might be to give the div a class value of orange. What happens if that orange background later changes to blue? Having a class value of orange would no longer make sense. A more sensible choice for a class value would be social, as it pertains to the content of the div, not the style. Let's discuss using text-based elements. Many different forms of media and content exist online. However, text is predominant. Accordingly, there are a number of different elements for displaying text on a web page. For now, we'll focus on the most popular elements, including headings, paragraphs, bold text to show importance, and italics for emphasis. Later, we'll take a closer look at how to style text. Headings are block level elements and they come in six different rankings from H1 through H6. Headings help to quickly break up content and establish hierarchy. And they are key identifiers for users reading a page. 
They also help search engines to index and determine the content on a page. Headings should be used in an order that is relevant to the content of a page. The primary heading of a page or section should be marked up with an H1 element, and subsequent headings should use H2, H3, H4, H5, and H6 elements as necessary. Each heading level should be used where it is semantically valued and should not be used to make text bold or big. There are other better ways to do that. Headings are often followed by supporting paragraphs. Paragraphs are defined using the P block level element. Paragraphs can appear one after the other, adding information to a page as desired. To make text bold and place a strong importance on it, we'll use the strong inline level element. There are two elements that will bold text for us, the strong element and the B element. It is important to understand the semantic differences between the two. The strong element is semantically used to give strong importance to a text and thus is the most popular option for bolding text. The B element, on the other hand, semantically means to stylistically offset text, which isn't always the best choice for text deserving prominent attention. We have to gauge the significance of the text we use to set as bold and choose the element accordingly. To italicize the text, thereby placing emphasis on it, we use the EM inline level element. As with the elements for bold text, there are two different elements that will italicize text, each with slightly different semantic meanings. The EM element is used semantically to place a stressed emphasis on text. It is thus the most popular option for italicizing text. The other option, the I element, is used to semantically convey text in an alternative voice or tone, almost as if it were placed in quotation marks. Again. We will need to gauge the significance of the text we want to italicize and choose the element accordingly. Now let's discuss building structure. For the longest time, the structure of a web page was built using divisions. The problem was that divisions provide no semantic value and it was fairly difficult to determine the intention of these divisions. Fortunately, HTML5 introduced new structurally based elements, including header, nav, article, section, aside, and footer elements. 
All of these elements are intended to give meaning to the organization of our pages and improve our structural semantics. They are all block level elements and do not have any implied position or style. Additionally, all of these elements may be used multiple times per page, so long as each use reflects the proper semantic meaning. The header element sounds like what it is. It is used to identify the top of a page, article, section, or other segment of a page. In general, the header element may include a heading, introductory text, or even navigation. Briefly, let's talk about the difference between header and head, as well as the difference between header, head, h1, all the way through h6. It is easy to confuse the header element with the head element or the heading elements, which are h1, h2, h3, all the way through h6. They all have different semantic meanings and should be used according to their meanings. The header element is a structural element that outlines the heading of a segment of a page. It falls within the body element. The head element, on the other hand, is not displayed on the page. It is used to outline metadata, including the document title and links to external files. It falls directly within the HTML element. Heading elements, H1 through H6, are used to designate multiple levels of text headings throughout a page. Now let's talk about navigation. The nav element identifies a section of major navigational links on a page. The nav element should be reserved for primary navigation sections only, such as global navigation, a table of contacts, previous slash next links, or other noteworthy groups of navigational links. Most commonly, links included within the nav element will link to other pages within the same website or to parts of the same web page. Miscellaneous one-off links should not be wrapped within the nav element. They should use the anchor element, A, and the anchor element alone. The article element is used to identify a section of independent, self-contained content that may be independently distributed or reused. We'll often use the article element to mark up blog posts, newsletter articles, newspaper articles, user-submitted content, and the like. When deciding whether to use the article element, we must determine if the content within the element could be replicated somewhere else without confusion. If the content within the article element were removed from the context of the page and placed, for example, within an email or printed work, the content should still make sense. The section element 
is used to identify a thematic grouping of content, which generally, but not always, includes a heading. The grouping of content within the section element may be generic in nature, but it's useful to identify all of the content as related. The section element is commonly used to break up and provide hierarchy to a page. At times, it can become fairly difficult to decide which element, article, section, or div is best for the job based on its semantic meaning. The trick here, as with every semantic decision, is to look at the content. Both the article and section elements contribute to a document's structure and help to outline a document. If the content is being grouped solely for styling purposes and doesn't provide value to the outline of a document, use the div element. If the content adds to the document outline and it can be independently redistributed or syndicated, use the article element. If the content adds to the document outline and represents a thematic group of content, use the section element. Now let's talk about the aside element. The aside element holds content such as sidebars, inserts, or brief explanations that are tangibly related to the content surrounding it. When used within an article element, for example, the aside element may identify content related to the author of the article. We may instinctively think of an aside element as an element that appears off to the left or the right of a page. We have to remember though, that all of the structural elements, including the aside element, are block level elements, and as such will appear on a new line occupying the full available width of the page or of the element they are nested within, also known as their parent element. Changing the position of an element, perhaps placing it to the left or right of a group of content will be discussed later. Now let us discuss the footer. The footer element identifies the closing or end of a page, article, section, or other segment of a page. Generally, the footer element is found at the bottom of its parent. Content within the footer element should be relative information and should not diverge from the document or section it is included within. With structural elements and text-based elements under our belts, our HTML knowledge is ready to put to use when you wake up. Let us continue, specifically with creating hyperlinks. Along with text, one of the core components of the internet is the hyperlink 
which provides the ability to link from one web page or resource to another. Hyperlinks are established using the anchor tag, inline level element. In order to create a link from one page or resource to another, the href attribute known as a hyperlink reference is required. The href attribute value identifies the destination of the link. Next, how would one go about wrapping block level elements with anchors? By nature, the anchor element, A, is an inline element, and according to web standards, inline elements may not wrap block level elements. With the introduction of HTML5, however, anchor elements specifically have permission to wrap either block, inline, or any other level element. This is a break from the standard convention, but it is permissible in order to enable entire blocks of content on a page to become links. The two most common types of links are links to other pages of the same website and links to other websites. These links are identified by their href attribute values, also known as their paths. Links pointing to other web pages of the same website will have a relative path, which does not include the domain.com.org.edu, etc. in the href attribute value. Because the link is pointing to another page on the same website, the href attribute value needs to include only the file name of the page being linked to. Should the page being linked to reside within a different directory or folder, the href attribute value needs to reflect this as well. Linking to another website outside of the current one requires an absolute path, where the href attribute must include the full domain name. A link to Google would need the href attribute value of http colon forward slash forward slash google.com starting with http and including the domain name in .com in this case. Occasionally, we may want to create a hyperlink to our email address. For example, the hypertext might say email me which when clicked opens a user's default email client and pre-populates part of the email. At minimum, the email address to which the email is being sent is populated. Other information such as subject line and body text may also be included. To create an email link, the href attribute value needs to start with mail to, followed by the email address to which the email should be sent. To create an email link, 
to shape at awesome.com for example the href value would be mail to colon shay at awesome.com additionally subject body text and other information for the email may be populated to add a subject line will include the subject equals parameter after the email address the first parameter following the email address must begin with a question mark to bind it to the hyperlink path multiple words within a subject line require the spaces be included encoded using percent 20. adding body text works in the same way as adding the subject this time using the body equals parameter in the href attribute value because we are binding one parameter to another we need to use the ampersand to separate the two as with the subject spaces must be as with the subject spaces must be enclosed using percent 20 and line breaks must be enclosed using present 0a altogether a link to shay at awesome.com with a subject of reaching out and a body text of how are you would require several href attribute values to be filled out correctly one feature available with hyperlinks is the ability to determine where a link opens when clicked typically links open in the same window from which they are clicked however links may also be opened in a new window to trigger the action of opening a link in a new window use the target attribute with a value of underscore blank the target attribute determines exactly where the link will be displayed the bl underscore blank value specifies a new window periodically we'll see hyperlinks that link to part of the same page that the link appears on A common example of these same page links are back to the top links that return the user to the top of the page. We can create an on-page link by first setting an ID attribute on the element we wish to link to, then using the value of the ID attribute within an anchor element's href attribute. Using the back to the top link as an example, we can place an ID attribute value on top of the body element. Now we can create an anchor element using an href attribute value of hashtag top to link to the beginning of the body element. Today we covered the following, what semantics are and why they're important, 
divs and spans, and the difference between block and inline level elements. Which text-based elements best represents the content of a page? The HTML5 structural elements and how to define the structure and organization of our content and page. And finally, how to use hyperlinks to navigate between web pages or websites. Thank you for watching. Hope you are well rested.